Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Michael Reed on LMFM. Thursday morning, the 12th of August. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. The rollout of uh, the National Vaccination Programme continues apace. The next uh, phase begins uh, this morning with the HSE portal open for 12 to 15 year olds. As a country, we've been enthusiastic about the vaccine. Uptake in Ireland is one of the highest in Europe. 89% of adults here have now had at least one dose of the vaccine. That figure is rising and is expected to rise to more than 90% of us vaccinated against coronavirus. Doctors will advise some people against taking a vaccine on medical grounds, but some people who are fit and well and who could opt to get the vaccine will actually decide not to. That is, of course, their right But what right do the rest of us have, the vast, vast majority of us, when we are doing what we can to protect ourselves, our families and friends, neighbours and all of the people in our lives from a deadly virus? Do we have to put ourselves at risk because someone we know or someone we work with is deciding that they don't want to get a vaccine when the medical advice is that all of us who can get vaccinated do get vaccinated so that we can protect ourselves and those who matter to us. We know from the way that we've already been living apart from each other during the lockdowns that it's fairly easy to avoid people most of the time. But, and here's the quandary, We've had a horrible year and a half. We've done what we can to protect ourselves and our families. We've been patient. But many of us would say we've done enough. We've been sensible and we've done what we were supposed to do. And now we are fed up. Actually, we aren't just fed up. We've been vaccinated and while we are fed up, we want to return to normality safely if that is at all possible. Our vaccine should allow us to return to enjoying something that resembles what might be called a normal life again, shouldn't it? But can we do that all of the time? Can we do that if we socialise with people who have been vaccinated? No, but we can choose not to be around those people. Sometimes we don't have that choice. What do we do when we go back to work? We have to be on the job. But do we have to work with people who are choosing not to get vaccinated? If that choice is putting us at risk and the risk to us personally also puts everyone we know at risk too. 
There are people who can't get vaccinated and that's one thing. But there are also a very small amount of people who won't get vaccinated. Worse still, some of those people won't wear a mask, won't respect social distancing or fundamentals like hand washing or cough etiquette. They exist in small numbers and they may just be attention seekers, but some will hope to get that attention by making a mockery of the public health advice, appearing, it seems, to take pleasure out of flouting the guidelines. People might have the right to ignore public health advice, but what right have other people to protect themselves from that decision? In America, some companies are simply making this decision for employees. Three people employed by CNN were fired last week for coming to work while unvaccinated against COVID-19. CNN staff were informed of the sackings by the network boss, Jeff Zucker. He said that COVID-19 vaccines were mandatory for all staff working from CNN offices or at external locations in close proximity to other CNN employees. Let me be clear, he said. We have a zero tolerance policy on this. Well, what are we doing here? Let's talk about it with uh, the Labour Party TD for Louth and East Meath, Jed Nash, who's his party spokesperson on finance and uh, a former minister for business and employment. Good morning to you, Jed Nash, and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. This is a, a complicated field in terms of employment law in this country, but there's a, a very serious question about the balance of rights in all of this, isn't there? There is indeed, and um, I, I, I read with interest earlier on this week, um, and you mentioned it in your introduction, uh, Michael, you're very fair and balanced introduction, and you know, what you raise are the concerns that I think people have, more generally employers and, and workers, about you know, what the workplace is going to look like and how people behave and what people's rights and entitlements are to know who's been vaccinated and, and so on. And it's actually not as complicated as it might appear here. It's actually clear um, what the situation is under... Um, equality legislation, employment rights legislation, and under GDPR legislation, that there is no um, absolute right for an employer or indeed a co-worker to know who has and hasn't um, been um, vaccinated. I think, frankly, when those who were drafting the 1937 constitution um, sat down with their uh, pens and papers, um, they um, never really envisaged a situation uh, that would be you know, that would envelop this country and the world uh, a number of decades later, where we would be in the middle of a global pandemic and we would have all of these questions that we would have to uh, answer and grapple with. The um, situation is clear. Uh, outside of a range of stated circumstances, there is no um, there is no entitlement for an employer to ask or indeed keep information outside of a healthcare setting, for example, uh, as to whether or not uh, an employee has been vaccinated or not. And this does cause problems and it will inevitably cause some problems for employers and indeed co-workers who will want to establish in terms of their own health and safety and the health and safety of their own families when they return to the office. And there is a move on now, I think, to uh, move as many people as possible back to uh, offices. Uh, not really required in my view. I think we should continue with the hybrid model and take a balanced mm. approach to this into the future because we will be living with this virus, virus for some time. Uh, but... Um, I think the law is quite clear and it's been stated uh, I think as recently as yesterday by the Department of Enterprise uh, when they uh, responded to um, an item on, on, on national radio yesterday morning when ISME raised this issue. They were genuinely concerned, I understand that, in terms of their obligations to their staff uh, and their customers indeed, if you're running a customer-facing business, uh, about you know health and safety and guaranteeing the health and safety of workers. It's a complex area mm. and... Um, but it doesn't it doesn't change it doesn't change the issue about the balance of rights does it uh, uh, and indeed laws are there to be changed 
Um, the COVID itself is not a, a notifiable disease. Uh, how far does this right uh, that uh, people have to get information or the lack of a, a right that they have to get information extend? Uh, if you're concerned that somebody is working with you who has COVID, can you ask? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, not, not a, a question that I have uh, the answer to. Um, outside of the fact that if somebody is ill, um, they have an obligation themselves to um, personally and ethically, you would think, and their responsibility extends to their own fellow co-workers to remove themselves from the workplace, uh, to get tested, to notify their employer and so on. And you make an important point, actually, and I raised this at the very outset, um, you know, when the country started to grapple with um, the situation uh, 18 uh, months or so ago, um, that this, this illness actually wasn't a notifiable um, condition. Um, and it isn't. And uh, it's not considered to be a what we might describe as a workplace illness. And we know that um, certainly way back in March, April, uh, May of 2020, uh, many of the outbreaks um, that um, emerged actually did emerge from workplace settings because people were working too close together, working in cramped conditions, living in cramped conditions in, for example, the food processing industry. So it would have made sense uh, for this state uh, to um, to uh, make COVID-19 a notifiable condition and a recognised kind of workplace kind of condition. Mm. Uh, and, and that then would have um, okay, really okay. prompted mm. a different reaction, a different response in terms of occupational health and safety codes and regulations. Mm. What we have, though, at the moment... Okay, so, think, sorry, sorry but, just but, but, before we yeah. move on from that point, uh, maybe we could trash it out a, a little bit more and maybe I, I could help you to speculate. Uh, obviously, you can't give us a, a definitive answer on this, uh, but it would seem to me that you can't ask because, uh, I mean, if you call in sick tomorrow uh, and um, I take the call and you say, I'm sick, I won't be in. I can't ask you what's wrong with you under employment laws. I understand it. So if you're if you're in the workplace and you have a bit of a cough or there are other symptoms showing or there is uh, some suggestion that you might have COVID, it, it would seem that I can't ask you that if you have COVID, never mind ask you to step off the factory floor or wherever it is it's that you're working. Yeah, it's a treacherous legal situation for an employer. A co-worker could ask, um, there's no doubt about it there's, because, because there's, and the quality of arms as it were there uh, there's equal status of the worker, you know, between co-workers a co-worker could ask another worker um, you know, what, what might be wrong with you and uh, could ask or suggest that you might remove yourself from mm. uh, the workplace and what, if I say, and what, what if I say I have COVID or none of your business or you say yeah. to me well I heard you have COVID because I know your sister Entirely, entirely. Mm. I mean, this is, I don't have the answer. I don't think you have either, Michael. Mm. Um, well, I, I take it that there is no answer, that nothing can be done. No. If somebody is, insists on going ahead and going to work, there's nothing that can be done about it. And uh, if you decide that you don't want to work with them, well, then you're not available for work and that has consequences of its own. Well, no, in situations like that, the first step always is that um, uh, the employer should consider uh, and is obliged to consider redeployment uh, of somebody within the organisation for a period of time under a certain set of circumstances. It is a very, very tricky um, situation. This was never envisaged. Uh, There's a lot of feeling around going on here um, at the moment. There's regular meetings between um, the trade union movement, uh, employers and government. A very good um, health and safety protocol was developed in March 2020 to try to anticipate these kinds of issues. Uh, and many of it is guidance and not actually within the realm of regulation or, and primary or secondary law. And this is this is part of the problem. And it goes down to, goes back to the constitutional questions of the right to what we call bodily integrity and like case law and 
um, constitutional, you know, the consideration of Article 40 of the Constitution by the Supreme Court, first case back in the 1960s, the Ryan case, mm. around bodily integrity and people's agency over their own bodies mm. and what they can put into their bodies and what they can't and mm. decisions they can make around their own bodies. Now, and that's the situation. It's not like America. It's not no. like the situation mm. that confronts mm. CNN. Yeah. And the, con- uh, and the Constitution is never straightforward either uh, because we yeah. all have rights and it's this balance of, of rights uh, where it gets very complicated uh, because uh, if you have COVID and you're working alongside me, surely I have the right to say, I don't want to put myself and my family and my friends and my neighbours and whoever else I, I, I come in contact with at risk because you've, making a, a, you've taken a, a decision yeah. that is at odds with all of the advice that were given by people who have expertise in this matter. As I said at the very outset, it's very different if you can't take a a vaccine, but if you won't take it, uh, surely that's your decision and you have to live with the consequences of that decision rather than me having to live with the consequences of that decision. It's actually not very different from those who can't take it. I mean, I've had many questions in from constituents over the last Mm. few weeks in particular, uh, pertaining to the COVID cert, for example. these are people who medically uh, have been advised not to have it. Um, the system hasn't grappled with that yet, um, either in the context of the workplace uh, or indeed the context of uh, the cert itself. I mean, there are people who won't be able to access indoor dining and may not be in a position to travel. Um, well, they can get the PCR test, obviously, but ideally they wouldn't have to uh, because medically they've been advised not, not to take it. So that's another question um, you know, that, that the system hasn't grappled with mm. yet because it is sensitive and it is legally complex, mm. technically difficult, and there's ethical questions um, around that. Um, no, well. but I think it's different in the sense that, let's say it was in CNN, uh, where you don't have uh, these mm. legal or constitutional problems, that it would be seen to be unfair to sack somebody if they can't get a vaccine because they haven't got vaccinated. So maybe there would be... Uh, some extension or um, leave of absence uh, given to those people, but that they wouldn't actually lose their jobs instead of being fired the way they have been. Uh, We're talking, uh, I think, predominantly here about people uh, who are deciding for whatever reason they have, uh, because of whatever nonsense they've been listening to, because of of whatever it is that's going on in their heads uh, that this vaccine is wrong and they don't believe in COVID or whatever. Uh, These people who are putting other people at risk by going around with this nonsense. uh, That's a very, very different situation, isn't it? I don't know it is it is but but it's it's kind of one, one of many many challenges true, um, true. And, I, and I mentioned I mentioned the the, the people who have med- been med- advised medically not not to get this because mm. this is an issue as well and they've a genuine set of circumstances where they can't or they fear for their health for good reason uh, that there may be some reaction um, to uh, the vaccine if, if 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 they get it but the vaccination program is going very well and you said that at the outset I mean, by the end of next week, I think 90% of all adults in this country will have at least one um, dose. And internationally, we're performing really, really well. Because one thing that employers can do, um, and I'd encourage them to do, to do is to you know, issue fact-based information uh, to um, their employees on a non-judgmental basis, um, giving them the facts about the benefits uh, of taking um, the vaccination. I think that's something that they should consider and something that employers, groups, individually should do and maybe employers collectively should do. Um, as well. Consider mm. doing that because there, there are people who may be sceptical. You and I aren't. Um, you know, mm. I, I'm a person who believes in the science. Uh, I, I understand this as best I can. I don't have a science background, but I believe in the science. I understand that I've researched as best I can. I've got, you know, we've all got advice on it. Um, we've seen the information uh, and this works. Mm. Um, uh, we, it's been demonstrated it works. Yes, there are breakthrough cases where mm. people who have been vaccinated in a small number of circumstances have actually got COVID-19, mm. but they haven't been hospitalised, they haven't become ill, 
uh, very ill. There are some places where some have, and um, no vaccine can give you 100% protection. That has never been the case since the invention of vaccinations, Michael. We all know that. But it does help people. It helps our society. It helps our well, families. The more, the more people get vaccinated, safe. the safer we all are. The uh, safer we all are, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's something employers should consider actually engaging in, you know, those fact-based campaigns yeah. to provide people with the information that they need. If somebody is sceptical, there will always be a small number of people. And it is a relatively small number of people in Ireland mm. who... Uh, you know, no, and fine, and and COVID and, and yeah, and it's their right. It's their right. Yeah, whether I like it or not, yeah. and I would prefer that that isn't the case. It is um, their right, and, and they have this constitutional right to bodily integrity. They don't have to put vaccines into the body if they don't want to, uh, even if that will protect them and others uh, that they love. That's their right. If that's the bad decision, uh, as I would see and it, the consequences they, exactly that they, they want to take. Yeah, that's absolutely their right. But do we have to? as a consequence of that bad decision that they're making, I, I, I think is the question. Uh, now, is it a case, as far as you're concerned, uh, as a, a former uh, Minister for Business and Employment, that people should be asked to do the right thing? Uh, or should legislation be introduced in uh, effect of this? Because, as I said, uh, what we're talking about here is the law. The law says you can't do this, but laws can be changed. The, the, the Oireachtas, in my view, isn't actually capable uh, of legislating in this regard unless we decide collectively as a country um, that all of those who are entitled to vote in a referendum would vote uh, in favour of tur- turning over um, the um, constitutional interpretation of Article 40, uh, which goes back to the 1960s, Michael. Um, and um, is that something that the Irish people will be prepared to do? I, I doubt it because it has other far-reaching mm-hmm. consequences as well. Uh, this is a kind of unique set of circumstances that we need to navigate our way through. And we should never, uh, even though I, 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 I might hope that things were different, I think you would hope that mm-hmm. things were different, that people would be entitled to ask for that information in order to protect themselves in the circumstances we're in at the moment. But we should never either amend the Constitution because of one mm. particular issue facing us at one moment in time. Okay. Ju- ju- um, ju- so ju- I just... don't think that the Rock is okay. capable actually of legislating for a law to provide for that because it would, ju- ju- would sorry, be, just to... be in conflict with the Constitution. Ju- just, just explain what, what you're saying there. Uh, it, it would be illegal to sack somebody. Uh, I think that's very clear from what you're saying. It would be illegal to sack somebody mm. uh, if they hadn't been vaccinated. Uh, mm. Is it illegal uh, to ask uh, and is it impossible to change that law so that you can ask? Um, that, that's a different question. And it, it may very well be. Um, and I don't think that this is something, though, that the um, Iraqis is going to consider. Um, I don't view this and don't see this as a priority in the scheme of things um, for government. Um, government is going through a range of different issues about the priority is the vaccination program itself. And frankly, Michael, I mean, while it, it is an issue for some, it's not an issue for everybody. It hasn't come across my desk mm. um, from your local employers asking me what it is they can and can't do. Uh, and I tend to be somebody who local employers might come to for some advice uh, on issues like this. I know it's been raised by ISME. It hasn't been raised by the Small Firms Association or Ryback, either directly with me uh, or nationally through the media, as far as I know. Mm. Um, and the view I know of, I think, most of the employer bodies and indeed uh, the Irish Congress of Trade Unions is look there's a balance of rights here let's be careful how we um, proceed if it's a case that there are concerns people can be redeployed within the organisation and stick um, because I mean this this is the point you can only redeploy redeploy them though if you know that they haven't been vaccinated or they have COVID that's a fair enough assessment Mm -hmm. but uh, that that is a last resort Mm -hmm. Uh, the first thing that should be done is that the existing framework that's in place 
uh, in uh, and, and you know the risk assessments that employers should carry out all of the time to try and mitigate so many of these risks they, they, they evolve mm. uh, and the advice sometimes changes but the key advice that I would have is stick with the guidelines that are there uh, for a safe workplace at this moment in time these protocols were developed back in March April 2020 they're generally working well and that involves you know separating in the workplace staying within two meters of people and um, you know ensuring that all of the hygiene protocols are in place and stick to a hybrid working model so not everybody needs to be in the office all of the time mm. uh, Michael this is the point I mean there are yeah. some employers who are very anxious to get people back to work the world of work has changed it's changing before our very eyes and there will be a demand now and rightly so for people to have that hybrid model so they could work from home for periods go to the office when absolutely necessary uh, we have seen that our economy can continue to flourish mm. um, in, in those circumstances and my advice would be that that's what we should continue to do uh, until such time as this threat passes. Okay, well, as you say, Izmir, looking for change, and we'll be speaking to them later in the programme, but we leave it there for the moment, and thank you indeed for joining us today. That's uh, Jed Nash, Labour's Party spokesperson on finance, a former Minister for Business uh, and Employment, and a TD for Louth and Eastmeath. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now back uh, to uh, that issue of having to work uh, with uh, somebody if uh, they haven't been vaccinated or if an employer can ask their employees if uh, they've been vaccinated or sack them if they haven't, as was uh, the case with CNN. Obviously, uh, from what we heard uh, from uh, Jed Nash uh, this morning, it's not possible to sack someone. It doesn't seem possible to ask them for that matter. This is something that ISME would like uh, to do. This is the small... uh, and Medium Enterprises Organisation. Its Chief Executive is Neil MacDonald. And a very good morning to you, Neil, and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. And I think it's clear from the vast majority of the people who've been contacting us this morning, they would like a situation to evolve whereby employers could ask their employees if they have been vaccinated or or not. But it it does appear as though it's a very complicated situation. we wouldn't agree with that assertion, Michael. We actually think it's, it's a great deal simpler than a lot of people are representing it. Uh, the first thing we'd say is that the need for an employer to know the vaccination status of, of their employees is not across the board. So we've, we've managed, you know, 17 months or so of a pandemic where large numbers of people have been capable of working from home many of those will be able to continue to work from home. So in in those situations, people are not going to need uh, to reveal their vaccination status. Similarly, those people who don't work in close proximity to other colleagues, who don't physically interact with customers and so on, Mm. who have their own office, for example, uh, vaccination status is not going to be uh, hugely important. When it's not necessary, yeah. Exactly. Mm. But, But... Where it is going to be necessary and where, in our view, um, an employer not merely is entitled, but is is almost certainly under an obligation under the Safety, Health and Welfare at Work Act Mm. to to ascertain, is where uh, work colleagues have to work in close proximity or where employees must interact with, physically interact with their own customers, their own clients or their own patients. Mm. The sorts of places uh, that we're talking about would be nursing homes, GPs, surgeries, dental surgeries, physiotherapy, Mm. uh, hairdressing, uh, grooming. You you know, it is not possible to maintain social distance where you have people physically touching other people. Yeah, and that's it. Uh, I mean, therein lies the problem, but the quandary appears to be uh, the 
constitution and uh, the legislation uh, on foot of all of that. I mean, while there's an awful lot of merit in what you're saying, uh, it doesn't make it plausible to ask somebody if they've been vaccinated or to insist that they tell you whether they have or, or not. Uh, and as we mentioned earlier on, if I'm working for you this morning, I give you a call and I say, Neil, I'm not well today. I don't think you have the right to ask me what's wrong with me. Uh, absolutely not. And, um, you know, when medical certification comes in for employees, uh, it just says that they're unfit mm. uh, to to go to work. Uh, um, you know, the, the nature of the illness is not disclosed. And that actually isn't an issue. Um, but unfortunately, when uh, we hear people raising canards like, you know, constitutional issues, mm. constitutional issues do not arise in this case. This is a very simple issue of primary legislation in this state. The Safety, Health and Welfare at Work Act imposes duties on employers and on employees. Mm. Um, and the constitutional issue, I, I think, uh, applies to whether you can make it mandatory for somebody to be vaccinated or, or not. Uh, nobody is suggest. We, we've never mm, said that. Yeah. So in, in that situation, Michael, that's what we mean. Mm, but you couldn't sack suggest. them. You couldn't sack them because they have a constitutional right to bodily integrity. So you couldn't sack them. And I think that's where the constitutional uh, aspect again, of this nobody is saying that mm, yeah, uh, someone yeah. can be sacked. What, no, but just coming back to that CNN issue and that CNN example, uh, which I think has stemmed this discussion. Uh, but that's oh, not what, uh, but as you say, that's not yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. No, absolutely no. not, uh, Michael. But, mm. But the situation may very well arise where a person can't be permitted back to work. That is a different mm. thing. And if an employee, you know, if an employee uh, renders themselves unable to return to work, that's an entirely different matter to the mm. point you raised with, with Jed Nash mm. about dismissing people. That's a different thing. Uh, people who are unable uh, to return to work because they are unable to work with colleagues or with members of the public hmm. are, are not fulfilling their contract of employment. That's an entirely different issue. And there is this issue as well of people who can't get vaccinated as opposed to those who won't get vaccinated. Some people are advised not to get vaccinated. Uh, correct. We understand that they are a tiny minority, but there's no doubt those people exist um, and they will have to be dealt with as well. Hmm. Uh, in the same way that maybe uh, it's safer for everybody else working for you, that they stay home, that they don't come to work. Yes, and, and there are very many cases where, mm. where this issue can be managed by uh, segregating employees within mm. the workplace. But if that's not or, possible, I mean, you're effectively suspending them indefinitely. Should they be paid for that period? Oh, no, well, obviously, if a person is not capable of, yeah. of mm. working, then they're not fulfilling a contract of employment and there would be no obligation on an, an employer to pay them. Okay. Uh, what about somebody who has COVID? Um, this is not a, a notifiable disease. As things stand, there's nothing you can do about it as a, an employer or if one of your colleagues has COVID. Uh, I don't think you can turn around and say, I'm not working with them. Uh, as we understand that Michael, COVID is a notifiable disease. Um, that, that, that has been one of the issues that has surfaced in, in the, among the employers. Okay. Claiming from their insurance company. So, yes, it is a notifiable disease. Um, um, a- employers are obliged to report to the public health authorities if they. Oh, for employers, yes. But yes. for an employee, for an individual? Well, I, 
that's a separate issue. That I think mm. that remains to be. I mean, again, coming back to the example of, you know, I call you up and I say I'm sick. You can't ask me what's wrong with me. If I'm working for you today, if I'm on the shop floor, I don't think you can come along and say, "Have you got COVID?" Or I don't have to answer you. Well, I don't. Yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying, Michael. I think we do at this point have to introduce the concept of common sense into the into the discussion. <laughs> and if <people laughs> there, there's exactly the problem, Leo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know. I, I, I think, Michael, if if uh, someone is coming into a workplace mm. in the knowledge that they are suffering from a notifiable disease. And they were to, and someone else in the workplace was to become uh, infected. Mm. I, I think the uh, implications for that worker would, quite frankly, be serious, and they would deserve to be serious. In what sense? If if it was established, for example, uh, that um, a, a person had been notified of a positive test and attended work mm. uh, and was interacted with either other work mm. colleagues um, or members of the public. They, they would be in breach of the Safety, Health, uh, Health and Welfare Work Act. Okay. Uh, and there, there could be consequences for them uh, in terms of their employment. You, you'd have the right to sack them or something like that. Is that what you're saying? Or, 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 or is it something thought, other than that? Uh, that they could... I, I would have thought that at mm. the very least. Right, I mean, okay. A person mm. who mm. knowingly infects another okay. person yeah. with a community. And what if they hadn't been tested? Well, I, I mean, if someone hasn't been tested, then they don't know. I mean, there, there is a grey area there, mm. Michael. Again, we're back into, yeah. I, I think people are attempting, uh, attempting to overcomplicate this. We're dealing oh, with I know. And I, I mean, that, that, that is exactly where the problem lies. There are people who are t- attempting to overcomplicate it and trying to uh, annoy people and are, are going to great lengths to annoy people and exactly. to overcomplicate Exactly, and we it. think there is mm-hmm. actually a very simple, practicable mm. uh, solution to this, and that is, that the work safety protocol um, provided by the Department of Enterprise mm. would would simply outline, it doesn't have to very definitively mm. state, but it could outline the circumstances in which it is permissible for employers to ascertain the vaccination status of okay. employees. And, and they would be the situations I outlined at the start, where mm. it is not possible to maintain social distance or where there's physical contact between work colleagues or employees and members of the public okay. in, in those circumstances we believe it is entirely not merely mm. justifiable but we believe it's obligatory on the employer to ascertain the uh, vaccination status. Okay so you could protect me from Johnny Murphy because Johnny Murphy hasn't been vaccinated and I have uh, by segregating us or asking Johnny Murphy to stay home because he hasn't been vaccinated uh, and uh, as you say uh, this would uh, apply in circumstances where an alternative couldn't be reached but what if I'm working in a, a shop or something like that what about the customers coming in uh, I mean you hear stories now about people telling you I'm going to go into pubs I'm not interested in this COVID cert and all of that sort of thing uh, I'm sure the same people are going into shops uh, and elsewhere uh, they're not wearing masks they've no respect for other people obviously uh, and they don't uh, believe that this is a threat to others, despite everything that they're being told by people who know far better. Uh, what what can you do to protect uh, employees? Sh- should there uh, be a situation where you would have to be vaccinated to gain entry into most places in this country? I, I think we have managed to um, permit 
entry, for example, onto retail premises for, for the duration of the pandemic without vaccination, and but but by taking other measures um, like hand hygiene, social distance, in other words, keeping the numbers mm. down. Um, for retail colleagues, they have been, as, as you know, going to the shop yourself, Michael, you see uh, the staff working behind um, perspex screens and so on. Um, so, so those measures, I, I don't think it's going to be practicable for people to have vaccination status checked everywhere. It's, it's going to be quite difficult, having said that. Um, I recently had to show um, my vaccine search on the way into a restaurant, so it is doable. Um, but of course, that was in a, in, a, in an indoor dining set, uh, setting. I, I think it has come as something of a surprise to sort of normal, level-headed people that this has become a civil liberties issue as opposed to just a public health issue. You know, we have a global pandemic that has killed millions of people, and yet there is a cohort of people who are looking at this through a an individual liberties lens rather than a, a, a public health and protect thy neighbour um, uh, lens. It's it's quite interesting um, uh, from a social point of view. Mm. But the, the problem is that employers and the occupiers of premises, all that sort of stuff is academic. Where, where we stand today in August 2021 is that employers and the occupiers of premises have duties uh, uh, and responsibilities under the Safety, Health and Welfare at Work Act that have not changed mm. and nor have they been clarified in the con- in the context of the pandemic. And all we're asking, which we don't think is an unreasonable ask, is that the Department of Enterprise would clarify those responsibilities. OK, we leave there for the moment. Thank you. As always, Neil MacDonald is the Chief Executive of ISME, the Irish Small and Medium Enterprises Association. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.